Welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. Aren't you glad Jesus speaks to every issue, every situation? Disciples' hearts were troubled. And he steps in and says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. You have faith in God, don't you? He's been proven faithful over and over. So if you don't want to be troubled in this troubled hour that we live in, and all of you know we live in a troubled hour, whether it's political or economical or your own situation. He said, so the antidote to that is because you placed your faith in God, place your faith in me. Believe also in me, who I really am. Place your faith in my promise. I go to prepare. Place your faith in my power. I have the ability to do it. Place your faith in my place because I'm building a place for you. You're in this world, but you're not of it. We're headed toward his place. And most of all, place your faith in my personal appearing. Aren't you glad that right in the middle of trouble, Jesus steps in and gives the antidote to everything we need? Not to be troubled even in troubled times. Well, we're talking about the power of the Holy Spirit, and I need to recall to you that Luke wrote two volumes in the New Testament. He wrote what we call the Gospel of Luke, volume 1, and then he wrote the book of Acts, Volume 2. So to understand Volume 2, you need to understand the end of Volume 1. And so in Luke chapter 24 and verse 49, he comes uh, with the words of Jesus in that final moment with his disciples and says, Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high, until you be clothed upon with power. And he led them out as far as to Bethany, and he lifted up his hands and blessed them. And it came to pass, while he blessed them, he was parted from them and carried up into heaven. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple, praising and blessing God. Amen. And then he immediately goes into the second volume. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, you know, you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me both in Judea and Jerusalem and Samaria and the uttermost parts of the earth. And then we go to chapter 2. And in chapter 2, he picks up that narrative, uh, beginning, uh, let's see, with verse 12. And they were all amazed and were in doubt, saying one to another, what? meaneth this. What is this all about? What's going on? Others mocking said, these men are full of new wine. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, ye men of Judea and all ye that dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known unto you and hearken to my words. For these are not drunken as ye suppose, seeing it is but nine o'clock in the morning. Now notice he never did say they weren't drunk. He just said they're not drunk like you think they're drunk because it's only 9 o'clock in the morning. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel in verse 32. This Jesus hath God raised up, whereof we are all witnesses. 
Therefore, being by the right hand of God exalted, and having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost, he has shed forth this which you now see and hear. And then it continues in Acts chapter 19 and verse 2. He said unto them, Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? And they said unto him, We have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. And he said unto them, Unto what then were you baptized? And they said unto John's baptism. Then said Paul, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him which should come after him, that is on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came on them, and they spake with tongues and prophesied. And then finally in Galatians chapter 3 and verse 3, Are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, are you now made perfect or complete by the flesh? One translation says, Have you lost your senses? Are you foolish? Are you crazy? Have you taken leave of your senses? One translation says, how can you be so stupid? Are you going to continue this craziness? Only crazy people think they can complete in their own effort, in their own power, in their own ability, what the Holy Spirit started. And so what I want to talk to you about today is about questions that surround Pentecost, or literally Pentecost questions. Well, in every generation, the move of God, every supernatural manifestation of His presence and His power immediately produces questions. We see this in the Old Testament, if you remember the story of Moses on the backside of the desert. The moment there is that manifestation of God's power, the moment that God shows up in that bush that is burning with fire and yet it is not consumed and Moses decides to turn aside and to see that revelation, that, that manifestation of God's power, immediately questions start. First of all, Moses said, uh, who are you to God? And God reveals himself. He says to Moses, I am the God of Abraham and of Isaac and of Jacob. I am the God of your fathers. I am the God of the past. I am the God of history. Because history is his story. He says to him, really, I am the God of divine promise. That's what I was to Abraham. I am the God of divine provision. That's what I was to Isaac. Even performing his birth by a miracle. And I'm the God of divine power. Because I can take a crook like Jacob and crown him and make him a prince with God. So immediately in that manifestation, there's this questions. And then God says, Moses, you go. And he says, who am I? He asks the question. And God says, I will be with you. And with a stretched out arm and a mighty hand, I will deliver my people from Egypt. And Moses says, yeah, but when I get there, they'll ask me, who sent me? Who, who was it? And God says, you say to them, I am that I am. Everything that I was, I am. Everything that I am, I always will be. Nothing can ever make me anything less than what I am. And so in every manifestation of God's power, questions arise. When John the Baptist is revealed in, in the wilderness and he begins to preach the baptism of repentance unto salvation, looking forward to the coming of the Messiah, they started asking questions. They mused in their heart. They reasoned in their heart. Is this the one? Is he the Messiah? 
And John answered that question. And he said, I'm just the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Prepare his ways and make his pathway straight. But there's one coming after me who is mightier than I. I'm not even worthy to kneel down and untie his shoelaces. I can't even unbuckle his sandals. I indeed baptize you with water and repentance. But when he gets here, he'll baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. And when Jesus came, baptized of John, receiving the Spirit like a dove without measure, comes forth in the power of the Holy Spirit, preaches in their synagogues, teaches the principles of the kingdom of God, performs miracles, the fame and the popularity go out, they begin to ask questions. Who is this? Well, we know him. He, he, he's the carpenter's son. He's Joseph's boy. We know his mother. We know his brothers. We, they, they started asking questions. They said, where did this man get these mighty works and these words? For never a man spake like him, because he speaks with authority, and not like the scribes and the Pharisees. And no man can do these works unless God be with him. And they begin to ask these questions. Every genuine manifestation of God's presence Every manifestation of His power produces an immediate question. And that's what's happening on the day of Pentecost. Because you remember, when Jesus left, He said, Now I want you to go back into Jerusalem. And I want you to wait there until you be endued or clothed upon with power from on high. You cannot start the process of world evangelization in your own ability. There has to come an ability and an efficiency and a might that is beyond your own. And after you've received the power of the Holy Spirit coming upon you and filling you, then you can go into all the world. And so he instructed them to go back into Jerusalem. And you know the story. They returned in obedience. I wouldn't have gone back into Jerusalem. Neither would you. Because that's where they had just crucified Jesus. Why would I go back to the place they just murdered my leader? And yet in obedience to God, they go back into Jerusalem, and the Bible said they were continually in the temple, in the upper room, and they were praying, and they were praising, and they were blessing God. And then the Bible says, suddenly... There comes a sound. They're seated in that upper room in one accord, one place. And there comes a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and fills all the place where they're seated. And cloven tongues as of fire descend upon them. And they're all baptized with the Holy Ghost and fire and begin to speak with other tongues as the Spirit of the Lord gives them the utterance. Well, you know what's happening in Jerusalem? It's feast days. It's that time from Passover to Pentecost where all the proselytes to Judaism and all those Jews have traveled as pilgrims from all over the world. Jerusalem is filled with over a million and a half people. And all of a sudden, there is this great manifestation of God. The, the cloven tongues as a fire. The, the sound of a rushing mighty wind. And, and the whole city is filled with the knowledge of something that's happening. And the disciples, filled with the Holy Spirit, break out of that upper room and fill the streets of Jerusalem at 9 o'clock in the morning, and they're praising and magnifying God and speaking forth the wonderful works of God, and a whole multitude of people come together. Amen. And immediately, they start questioning. They said, uh, we, we all hear them speak forth the wonderful works of God in our own language. Oh, you remember the Old Testament story of Babel, don't you? 
when men were united to do their own kingdom in their own wickedness and power, God confounded their, way, their languages and confused them. But now, men have come together in one power, in one purpose, and that is to build the kingdom of God. And God, even though He is speaking through them, both known and unknown tongues or languages, He has brought them together in unity to build the kingdom of God. And that day, 3,000 are added into God's kingdom. And the Bible said they did all hear them speak the wonderful works of God in their own language. And so there was this miracle of speaking the languages, both known and unknown, but there was also the miracle of hearing, being able to hear in the middle of what seemed to be confusion in Babel, everyone speaking forth in their own language. Uh, uh, if you'll help me, I can demonstrate that to you. Okay? i tell you what you do. Everyone on this side, and everyone on this side, when I say go... I want you to speak out loud. I want you to speak your name and your address. Okay, this side and this side. Okay, humor me. <laughs> and this group, you listen. Okay, I'm going to say three. You got to speak it out loud now, not quietly, but say your name and your address. Both sides. Ready? One, two, three, go. Huh? And so there was both the miracle of the speaking and there was also the miracle of the hearing where God enabled them of all languages and all nations to hear them speak forth the wonderful works of God. In the middle of that manifestation in glory, questions began. And they rose up and said, now look, what does this mean? What is this all about? So Pentecost produces questions. And the first one is the purpose question. What does this mean? Well, immediately Peter, standing up with the eleven, begins to explain and answer that question of what this is all about. And he says the first thing it means is that Scripture is fulfilled. All the prophecies, all the promises of the Old Testament, all the way back when God took the Spirit that was upon Moses and put it upon the people, and somebody said, there's two people outside the camp and, and they're prophesying and they're not with... Moses said, I would to God that there would come a time that God would put His Spirit upon all of His people and they'd all be prophets from the time that Isaiah said, with men of other tongues and stammering lips will I speak to this generation from the time Ezekiel prophesied about a river flowing from the altar of God that flows out into the wilderness and gets deeper and deeper to all those prophets prophecies up to Joel, where he said, this is what it means. It'll come to pass in the last day, saith God, that I will release my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters will prophesy, and upon your old men will dream dreams, and your young men will see visions, and upon my handmaids and my servants in those days will I pour out of my spirit, and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens and signs in the earth, and the sun will turn into darkness and the moon into blood until that notable day of the Lord comes, and whoever calls upon the name of the Lord he will be saved and he's saying all those prophecies are now fulfilled what Jesus uh, said in John chapter 7 oh, we, we talk about John 4 all the time 
There'll be rivers of living water springing up unto everlasting. But Jesus said, He that believeth upon me, out of his innermost being there shall flow rivers of living water. And this spake he concerning the Holy Ghost, that those that believe upon him should receive. All those prophecies, Peter said, are now fulfilled. No longer does the Holy Spirit come upon you and leave like he did David and Samson and the others in the Old Testament. Now Jesus said, my spirit is going to come and he's going to abide with you forever. And you will become the temple of the Holy Ghost, whose temple you are. And my Father and I, we will come and make our abode and our abiding place in you. All the scriptures are fulfilled. You know what it meant? It meant Jesus was alive. The Savior is alive. Peter said, the ones you took with wicked hands and crucified, God hath raised him up and made him both Lord and Christ. I want to tell you, the power of the Holy Spirit is that Spirit that raised Christ from the dead, rolled aside that seven-ton boulder, broke the signet seal of the Roman government, spoke and breathed life back into the crucified body of Jesus, and he's resurrected in the newness of life, and he conquers death and hell and sin and Satan and the grave that's the power of the Holy that's what it meant the Savior's alive not only that it meant the sacrifice for sin had been accepted oh you know in the Old Testament uh, their sins were never totally forgiven they were just rolled ahead so every year the high priest would go into the holies of holies in the presence of God and if God didn't accept the sacrifice of the, of the blood of that goat he would die in fact when he got in the holy place he had to take off his priestly robe and you remember his priestly robe, on the bottom of it, there was a bell and a pomegranate. A bell and a pomegranate. And you could hear him walking around in there. But to go in the presence of God, he stripped that off and put on a linen garment. And he took the blood of that goat. And if God accepted the sacrifice and rolled their sins ahead, how did they know it? Well, he had come back in the holy place. And he had put on his priestly robe. And when they heard the tinkling of the bells, they realized the sacrifice for sin had been accepted for one more year. You know what Peter said? God has made him both Lord and Christ. The ones you crucified, he offered up one sacrifice for sins forever and was seated at the right hand of the majesty on high and has been highly exalted by the Father. And the sacrifice for sins have been accepted. And I want to tell you, every time somebody begins to speak in a heavenly language, it testifies of one thing. Jesus Christ is alive. Jesus Christ is seated in authority. Jesus Christ is a high priest. Jesus Christ is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And the sacrifice for your sins has been accepted. Hallelujah. It means His servants were empowered to become witnesses. Most of all, it meant that there began a new Spirit-filled age. You know what the Bible says? And now the Lord is that Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Everything that God does now in His church, everything that God does in culture, everything that God does in you, He does by the operation, the administration, the manifestation, and the demonstration of the Holy Spirit. The Lord is that Spirit. A Amen. Well, Jesus is not here Unless he's here in his spirit. He said, I go away. But when I go away, I'll pray the Father and he'll send you another. Alois in the Greek. Which means, just like I was. I will send you another comforter, even the spirit of truth. And he will abide with you every Sunday morning at 10 o'clock. 
and he might come back Wednesday night. No, he will abide with you forever. Because when I sent you out two by two, he was with you. You preached the gospel, you healed the sick, you raised the dead, but now he shall be within you. And the kingdom of God will no longer be up there, out there, over there. The kingdom of God is within you. And greater is he that is within you than he that is within this world. Oh, hallelujah. What does this mean? It means everything God does in culture, He does by the Spirit. When the Spirit's come, He will convince the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment to come. Do you know you can't come to God unless the Holy Spirit draws you? People tell me all the time, well, I'm going to come to God when I get good and ready. No, you won't. Unless God draws you, you can't even understand spiritual things because they're spiritually discerned. They're, they're foreign and Greek and Hebrew to the natural mind. It's only as the Spirit enlightens you. He, he's in Luke chapter 15. He's a, like the lady that lost the coin. He lights a candle and turns on the light so you can see and have spiritual perception. He takes the broom and sweeps out the corners of your life so that you can come and believe upon Jesus. He comes to convince the world of sin because they believe not on me, of righteousness because I go to the Father and you sin, see me no more, and of judgment because the prince of this world is judged. So everything God does now in culture, He does through the work of the Holy Spirit. Everything God does in the church, He does through the work of the Holy Spirit. He sets within the church apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers to bring you into maturity I know the New Testament says perfection, to perfect the saints, to bring you to completion and maturity so that you will no longer be children tossed about by every wind of doctrine and the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie and wait to deceive. But you'll no longer be babies needing milk, but you'll get on the meat. You'll no longer need your diaper changed. You'll put on your big boy pants and grow up. Well, Amen. He set within the church the leadership to bring you to spiritual completion maturity so that you would be released in your own ministry and gifting. And when that happens, the body is edified. It grows up in maturity and it expands out in evangelism. And he set within the church tongues, diversity of tongues, healings, miracles, faith, teachers, prophets, helps, governments, liberality and giving. And not only that, that gift that everyone wants, celibacy. Well, most of you don't want that one. And what he says is, everything that I now do in the church, I do through the operation of the Holy Spirit. Are you with me? This is what it means. Everything he does in culture, he does by the Spirit. Everything he does in the... And everything he does in you, he does by the Holy Spirit. He convicts you of your sins. He brings you to an altar of repentance. He takes the prayer of repentance to the right hand of the majesty on high where Jesus Christ is seated to make intercession for you. He brings the blood of the Lamb and washes away your sin. He baptizes you into the body of Christ. He records your name in the Lamb's book of life. And His Spirit begins to bear witness with your spirit that you are the children of God, heirs and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. He brings salvation. We're saved through the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Ghost. 
And not only does He save you, but He sanctifies you. You're set apart and sanctified by the Spirit. And then He comes and baptizes you with the Holy Ghost and fire. Uh, we, we kind of forgot the fire part. Amen. He baptizes you with the Holy Ghost and fire, passion. Amen? Anybody remember when He baptized you? <laughs> Amen. And the initial evidence of speaking with other tongues as the Spirit of the Lord gives you the utterance. Oh, I remember mine. You know how long ago that's been? 55 years. And I can still take you to the place. Little shotgun church in Norman, Oklahoma. Brick facade on the outside. And I'm a backslidden Nazarene kid. And I come to the University of Oklahoma to be a doctor and a friend of mine invites me to revival and God saves me. And the next night he sanctifies me. And, and I've seen Nazarenes run the aisle and shout to their, their little bun of hair fell down. And, and I've watched them in camp meetings run the back of pews and never miss a step and shout and glorify God. But these people in this church were weird. They had something I'd never... They spoke with these strange noises and tongues. And, and, but there was a power that they had. And there was something in my heart that began to want the move of the Holy Spirit. And a month later, after he sanctified me, I began to pray God baptized me with the Holy Ghost. And, and there were two wonderful ladies in that church. One of them sat right here, and her name was Sister Wilkerson. And another sat right over here, and her name was Sister Elmore. And they were opposite as they could be. Every time you hit the first note of I'll fly away, Sister Wilkerson did. <laughs> Down the aisle she would go. And she'd speak in tongues and dance and shout. Now Sister Elmore, on the other hand, was pretty quiet. But I remember the night I wanted the baptism, Sunday night. And I came up and stood at that altar. And all of a sudden, Sister Wilkerson got anointed. Holy Spirit came on her and she came around right in my face. And she's spitting right in my face. And she's saying... Let go, Bob. Let go, Bob. Let go. And Sister Elmore gets anointed and she jumps up and comes around and stands behind me and she's got her fist and she's hit me right in the small of the back and she's saying, Hold on, Sonny. Hold on, son. <laughs> And I got to the place all I wanted was the power of the Holy Ghost and he baptized me with the Holy Ghost and fire. They said I, I shouted, I danced, I spoke in tongues, I preached. All I remember is it felt like somebody put a, a, a whole bunch of dynamite in my shirt pocket and lit the fuse and it went off everywhere. And I want to tell you that's been 55 years ago. And he's still just as real right now as he was 55 years ago. It means he baptizes you with the Holy Ghost. Everything he does now, he does through the operation of the Holy Spirit. He leads you and guides you into all truth. He shows you things to come. He recalls all things to your memory, whatsoever things Jesus said unto you. He prays through you with groanings and utterances that you know not. He gives you the power to be a witness. Oh, hallelujah. Everything. <laughs> you're, you're, he brings love, joy, peace, faith. Well, what's love? That's, that's the nature of Jesus. Uh, Pastor Steve's going to talk to you about that next week. But what's joy? Well, joy is just love that's happy. And faith is just love believing. And peace is just love that's at rest. Oh, hallelujah. But He begins to produce those fruits. And then He gives you gifts 
They're resident in Him, and if you're filled with His power, then He can divide them through you any time that He wants and distribute them, and it's wisdom and knowledge and discerning of spirits and tongues and interpretation of tongues and prophetic utterances and healings and miracles and faith, and everything you have need of is in the power of the Holy Spirit. And you're the temple and the Holy... Everything that you need is already in you. Oh, hallelujah. If you've been baptized with the Holy Ghost, what do you need? He's already in you. The same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. He mortifies the deeds of the flesh. He quickens the mortal body. And when you are full of the Holy Ghost and you're walking in step with the Spirit, and you're singing in the Spirit, and you're praying in the Spirit, the Bible said that's the down payment. That's the first installment. I went all my high school years waiting for commencement, which I thought meant end. And just before I graduated, I learned that the word commencement doesn't mean end. It means begin. And that's when you're full of the Holy Spirit, when you're operating in the power of God. Oh, hallelujah. That's just the beginning. The baptism of the Holy Spirit as an experience is not the end, it's the start. It's standard equipment. It, oh, you know, you go buy a new car and they advertise they got one on the showroom floor for $13,000. And man, you run down there, you say, man, I want that car you got for thirty. And the guy says, well, right there it is. Of course, that's the only one they have, the one on the showroom floor. And then the guy says, now, that's the standard model. If you want a motor, that's extra. <laughs> if you want a stereo system, that's extra. If you want an air conditioner, you got... Look, the Holy Spirit is standard equipment. He's the first installment. He's the down payment. He's the pledge penny in the new Greek. He's the engagement ring. You know why I'm going to heaven? How I know? I've got the engagement ring on. The Holy Spirit, when He comes, does not speak of Himself, but He testifies of Jesus. And every day the engagement ring, the power of the Holy Spirit reminds me, Jesus is about to appear. And I'm in the bride of Christ. And when He comes, I'm going and greater is he that is within you than he that is within this world. When the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against him and put the enemy to flight. Everything that he does in you, he does by the power of the Holy Spirit. They were people of pardon, purity, power, prayer, praise, proclamation of the Word, personal witness, and most of all, they were people of passion. The book of Acts covers 60 years. And they never lost the fire. Wow, it's quiet in here. What's happened to us? They were people. You know who they were? They were ordinary people. You know what they accused them of? Ignorant and unlearned. No specialized training. Common people. Fishermen and tax collectors. But these that had no specialized ability... God took these ordinary people, baptized them with the Holy Ghost and fire, and they turned the world upside down. They called them mad. They called them drunk. Peter said, they're not drunk like you think they're drunk. Oh, they're drunk. They've been to Joel's place. They're drunk on the new wine and the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's what this means. Oh, hallelujah. And then the second question is, the personal question. Have you received? 
See, Acts chapter 19 is 20 years later from the upper room. And now Paul finds a group of men at Ephesus that's been baptized in water under repentance, looking forward to the coming of the Messiah, and he takes them and baptizes them again in water in the name of Jesus, and then he says, have you received? That's a personal question. If everything God does, He does in the administration, manifestation of the Holy Spirit, have you received the power of the Holy Ghost since you believed? Well, how? Well, they were positioned in one place, in unity, in one accord. Amen. They were praying. If your earthly father knows how to give good gifts unto his children, how much more does your heavenly father know how to give the Holy Ghost to them that ask? So they were asking. Amen. They were praising God. The Holy Spirit only speaks as you speak. Amen. He gives you the other. You're saying hallelujah and praise the Lord, but the Holy Spirit baptizes you and He changes your utterance and you begin to speak with other tongues as He gives you that ability. You're still saying hallelujah and amen and glory to God. Amen. And so they were in one place. They were positioned correctly. They were praying. They were praising. Amen. <laughs> and then you receive through the laying on of the hands of the presbytery. Because Paul just laid his hands on them. And they were all baptized with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with tongues and prophesy. And Paul writes to his son in Timothy, says, I don't know a lot about other people, but I know about you. There's a gift within you, and it's doing the laying on of the hands of the elders or the presbyters, and I want you to stir up the gift of God that is within you. The question is, have you received? You know the purpose? Personally, have you received? You have to answer that question. And the third question of Pentecost is the perplexing question. Because Paul writes to the Galatians and says, Are you guys stupid? Are you foolish? Are you crazy? Have you taken leave of your senses? My mama used to say that all the time. Have you taken leave of your senses? In fact, I, I got to, the funniest commercial on TV right now is a Geico commercial. And it says, If you are starring in a horror movie, you make bad choices. And they're all frightened and scared to death. <laughs> and the guy says, let's hide in the attic. Oh, yeah. Let's hide in the basement. And the girl says, why don't we just get in the running car? And the guy says, are you crazy? Have you taken leave of your senses? Are you, are you nuts? Let's go hide behind the chainsaws. <laughs> and the guy's standing there with his mask on. And the end of it's the funniest thing at all. They're running and somebody says, well, let's go to, to hide in the cemetery. Have you, have you gone crazy? Have you taken leave of your senses? He says, if you started in the Spirit, how can you possibly be completed in the flesh? What was started in the power of the Holy Ghost, how can you possibly now, in your own personality, in your own charisma, in your own plans, in your own program, accomplish the purposes and build the kingdom of God. That's perplexing. And that's exactly where we are. For we're a hundred years, we're two, almost 2,000 years removed from Pentecost, and we're a hundred years removed from Azusa Street. 
where a one-eyed black pastor and a handful of people received the renewing of the power of the Holy Spirit, and now a hundred years later, there's 640 million people in the world that claim to be charismatic or Pentecostal. Greatest revival the world's ever seen. And now we think we can do it in our own power. That our plans, our program, my personality is going to build the kingdom of God and finish the work of God. No, it's not by might and it's not by power. It's not by ingenuity and ability and wisdom and technology, but it's by my Spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. If we started in the Spirit, the only way we can finish is in the power of the Holy Spirit. But now we don't have time for the Holy Ghost. Brother Bob, by the clock on the wall, you have about ten minutes to wrap this up before the next group comes in. And we have the Holy Spirit on a time clock. And we don't allow for the operation of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I understand my son and I talk about this all the time. If I had the money, we'd build the largest sanctuary you've ever seen. We'd have one service where we had plenty of time. Because in my day, we did that on Sunday night. Sunday night was when people came in with no time restraints and prayed and worshipped and shouted and sought deeper experiences and were baptized with... And now, we've got, we, we, we got to be careful, Brother Dennis, or, or this manifestation of God. Somebody stands up and speaks and they'll be offended. Did it offend you? No. It was the manifestation of the Holy Spirit. It was the work and the power and the joy of the people in the power of the Holy Spirit that drew you into the kingdom of God. And it's not by our plans and our programs. It's by the onworking of the Holy Spirit. And you know what grieves me in my heart? Is now people who claim to be Pentecostal decide they're going to forget their heritage and they go to churches that no longer even believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. Cessationalists who believe everything stopped in the book of Acts never had happen again. How can you be filled with the Holy Ghost and set in a fellowship of people that deny the reality and the operation of the Holy Spirit? That's per- Are you crazy? Have you taken leave of your senses? If we started in the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit, that's the only way that we can finish. And I don't just say that. Listen to this. Without the Spirit of God, we can do nothing. We are ships without wind or chariots without horses. Like branches without sap, we are withered. Like coals without fire, we are useless. Charles Spurgeon. Listen to this one. The church cannot be the church without the Holy Spirit abiding and empowering it. The degree to which we understand and experience the Spirit of God will be the exact degree to which God's plan for our church will be accomplished. The very people who are thumping the Bible the most vigorously are often the ones trying to have church without the Holy Spirit. They think that teaching alone can cause their members to live a victorious Christian life, but it can't be done without experiencing the power of the Holy Spirit. Vows and promises alone, no matter how sincere, can never overcome the power of the world, the flesh, and the devil. God is waiting to empower us. The need today to confront the works of darkness is greater than it has ever been. 
the influence of filth and violence in people's life will not be destroyed by polite talk. There is a divine antidote to the demonic powers that stir up our people to shoot up schools and worship dark impulses. Our only hope is in the power of the Holy Spirit. We have a mission from Jesus himself and only the outpouring of the Holy Spirit will enable us to make a difference. Those are the questions. What does this mean? Have you received? And are you trying to finish in your own power instead of God's power? Stand with me right now. We need two things in the church right now. One, if you haven't received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, this is the place... One place, one accord. Personal obedience. He gives the Holy Ghost to those who obey. Praying and praising. Laying on of hands. You need to be baptized with the Holy Ghost in fire. That's the first thing. The second thing is, we need a refilling. I believe in one baptism, but I believe in a whole lot of fillings. We leak. In fact, the Bible says that two times. He says... Keep on drinking in. Be not filled with wine or in his excess and debauchery and overflow, but keep on drinking in huge amounts of the Holy Spirit. And you will be filled with the Spirit and thrilled with the Spirit, and you'll begin to speak to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, making melody in your heart unto God. And then in Acts chapter 5, which was five years after the day of Pentecost, they were threatened. But they go back into the upper room, shut the doors and pray. In the name of your holy child, Jesus, grant us miracles and wonders and signs and that we can boldly proclaim your word. And the Bible said the place where they were seated was shaken and they were filled again with the Holy Ghost and boldly spake. We need to receive or you need to be refilled. It's the only thing that's going to move this generation. In light of who he is and what he does, receive be refilled I know we're under time constraint I'm aware of that but I want to tell you something life is more than meat and drink life is more than Sunday meal at the restaurant and a ball game in the afternoon it is joy righteousness and peace in the Holy Ghost there's something more to life than what we're making out of it Speaking in tongues is not just a proof. He's the resource that we have to have. Have you received? Maybe you have and you need to be refilled. Would you, would you do something with me? We're gonna, they're going to play and we're going we're to pray different because I, I understand. I, I, I want everybody to, to, to move across the aisles and kind of join hands with one another. You'll have, to, you'll have to move a little bit to do that. That's okay. Just kind of step across and this side step across over here and, and join hands with one another I just I just came from Rocky Mount Virginia church not any different than this all they sang different music young and old just like we have here now and they were hungry for God and God broke in in the power of the Holy Spirit. And I saw young people, middle-aged people, and especially some older people 
couple of the ladies that were widowed, older, depressed, sad, grieved. Holy Ghost came in that service. The power of God was released in them. That bondage was broken. They were shouting, speaking in tongues. Totally said, Lord, it's not my plan. It's not my program. It's not my power. It's the operation of His Holy Spirit. And I want you to ask God to do something right now. Either, Lord, help me receive or, Lord, shake me and fill me one more time. Stir up the gift of God that's within me. Help me to drink in huge amounts of the Holy Spirit. Father, we come together right now as a body of Christ. We join our hands as a sign that we're joining our hearts in faith. And that we're in one place and one accord and one purpose. Lord, we can't do it. But I pray that you'd send a sound from heaven. That you would shake this place one more time. And you'd fill us anew with the Holy Ghost and boldness and power and praise and victory. Joy righteousness and peace Lord out of our innermost being let there flow rivers you said we'd receive power a dynamite explosion and a dynamo that continues to flow out I ask you to fill your people right now baptize those who've never received help those who have received to stir up the gift of God that's within them Fan in the flame, the fire of God. Keep on breaking in huge amounts of your Holy Spirit. And you'd operate through us. And demonstrate through us. And manifest your power through us. So the powers of this present world will be defeated. And the kingdom of God will be established and built. Stir up your spirit. Would you pray that with me right now, Lord? Stir up the spirit of God within me. Stuff the power of God that's within me. And then pray for those hands you're holding. Lord, don't just start this refilling and power in me, but fill them, Lord. Saturate them. Stir up the gift of God that's within them. Put the passion and the fire of the Holy Spirit in their lives right now. Saturate them with your Holy Spirit, Lord. Do it one more time. Do it one more time, Lord. Do it one more time. Stir Stir up the anointing of your Holy Spirit. Lord, stir up your power in me. Stir up your anointing in me. Stir up your victory. Stir up the anointing of God in my life. Oh, Holy Spirit, do it. Holy Spirit, do it. Holy Spirit, do it. Start this revival. Start this work. This revival. Lord, I ask you to do it right now. I ask you to do it right now. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. not enough to have ghost stories. You've got to have the Holy Spirit flowing forward in you, empowering you. Can you just raise your hand and say, Lord, start it in me. Start it in me. I'm hungry. Start that manifestation of your power in me. Lord, grant it. Jesus. In Jesus' name.
I just feel right now that anxiety anxiety is something that seems to just be taking over like you hear it all over the place you talk with someone you're like, I'm feeling anxious I'm struggling with this I'm struggling with that my thoughts I have a lot of worries but I just pray that right now in the power of the Holy Spirit may have been trying different type of medication, different type of counseling and, and all of these things, but nothing seems to be working. It just seems to be there. I pray that the Holy Spirit right now unlocks that and breaks that chain in your life. That the peace that is only from the fruit of the Holy Spirit in our lives, that that peace just right now just becomes more and more evident whoever you are whoever that is I'm not telling you to stop going to uh, counseling to stop taking your meds out I'm not telling you to do that don't hear me say that but I'm just saying maybe maybe when you leave this place maybe right now maybe to just just as you as you progress and go through this life are you making room for the Holy Spirit I just thank you that we continue to make room for your spirit in our lives. Because we know that that is power. That is your power in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, you guys can find your way back to your seats. It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion Church resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion.